Good morning, good morning, good morning. So I want to tell you a quick story. Let me tell you about a wise lesson that I learned from my professor in culinary school. You see, I was once a chef, and I don't want to sound like a wise proverb like Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid, but let me tell you, I learned something that impacted my life so much that I became a better Christian today. You see, back in the day, it was 2005, in the summer, I was in culinary school at Le Cordon Bleu in Orlando, Florida. And for my final class, every Tuesday and Friday, we would run a mock restaurant. And the restaurant is actually open to the public. The school was built back in 2002. And let me tell you something. It was immaculate. It was clean. Did I mention it was clean? Probably because we did not get a lot of customers. No one knew about this place. So let me tell you, we, we were able to upkeep. Then again, let me tell you something about the layout of the kitchen. The kitchen looked like the reality TV show, Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Minus the yelling from the chefs, of course. You see, we couldn't yell at each other. Minus that one fist fight that almost happened at the at the culinary school with the, between the students, I mean, oh, it was pretty ugly, but you know, there was, we, were, we were pretty in sync most of the time. So this was one of the few culinary schools in Orlando, Florida that was designed for the culinary student. So let me tell you a quick story about that. During the lunch rush, which is like maybe two tables, a man on a wheelchair came into the restaurant waiting for someone, and no one greeted him. He had a black veteran's baseball cap and a green vest. His face was deformed, probably from a blast, and it was reconstructed through surgery. He had these black aviator sunglasses. You couldn't even look him in the eye. And I'll be honest with you, I happened to be the server on duty that day, and I wasn't a good server. My classmates and I were staring at him for about maybe 10 minutes. We did not greet this person or ask if he needed help. It wasn't brought to our attention until that 10 minutes came. It was really 10 minutes. Our professor, Dr. George Oji Ahamioji, we call him Dr. Oji for short, came in and told us to greet him. So we sat him down and we served him. Everything was good. Service was over. We began to close the restaurant down. This gentleman was still there, and we're trying to figure out why was he still there? So we found out afterwards through our professor, this wise man, that this was all a setup. You see, this stranger that came to our door is, was a former coworker of Dr. Oji. He worked at Disney World. He was a greeter at the Magic Kingdom. And let me tell you, he began to sit us all down in the class, and he told us some stories. Not only his stories about being a Vietnam veteran, but post how he was treated from the surgery from his reconstructed face, and that everyone who stares at him and comes his way never greets him. It was a very discouraging thing for him, and he had a dim outlook on humanity. Yet, he lives with this discouragement every day. Dr. Oji tells us the moral of the story 
is that everyone at the door, regardless of appearance, he wanted us to open our eyes and our hearts when we do not give hospitality to a stranger who walks in front of your restaurant door, or let alone your front door. From then on, me and my classmates, we made a pact to hold a code of radical hospitality to all the people, to employees, and anyone who comes our way. I don't know about you, but I feel that we have judged a person who comes our way. We tend to condemn or ignore, uh, ignore them, and we truly get to see the person for who they are. We don't get to know them. We just ignore them. Have you at times past judged someone because of the tattoos on their bodies or because they look mean? Have you strayed away from someone because they have a turban on, on their head or dressed different than you? How about a person of a different culture than you, race? Are you comfortable talking to them? Let that resonate for a minute. Are you comfortable greeting them, sharing with them? Maybe someone at the school during lunch, for those who are school-aged, is sitting alone, or maybe a coworker. Did you sat with them? Did you greet them? Did you accompany them? Would you be able to do this? How about today at church when someone who you don't know or who was not a regular attendee came at your door and visited today? Would you welcome them? Are you able to say hi and introduce yourself? Or do you ignore them because you feel so uncomfortable doing that for some reason inside of you? Thank God there is a solution. And Paul talks about it in Romans 12, chapter 9, verse 21. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and open to that. And let's take a look at what Paul writes. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Notice that word hospitality. We're going to be focusing mainly on that verse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is Romans 12, 9 to 21. So, 
what I learned from this passage, and I'm going to talk about this main idea and theme. When I love on people, it should be effortless. You see, Paul talks about loving others, including our enemies who persecute us as Christians and who are complete strangers. We live in strange times. What we used to know as children, especially around my age, and what we do as children is not the same for our children today. Honestly, I do not remember the last time I was invited to a block party. Block party. If I mispronounced that, sorry. Um, my family and I live in a cul-de-sac, you see? And out of all those neighbors, I only know maybe two or three of them. I don't know my neighborhood very well. That's because I'm a real introverted person. I find it strange that our kids don't go outside and play with the neighborhood kids. Like, you know, when we used to play, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, manhunt, tag, kickball, baseball. That's gone. I find it strange that these kids don't get to go outside and play anymore in the neighborhood compared to my child. But instead, my child, or even my children, plural, use their cell phones to talk and communicate with them on social media. Isn't it strange that these friends who communicate on text or social media uh, get shy when they meet in person? They don't even know what to say to each other. Isn't it weird that they sit in a restaurant table and they're just texting, but they're right across from each other? I'm not trying to go on a rant here, but I just really find it strange that no one even goes to the mall anymore. It's empty. I used to go to the mall with my friends. I find it strange that we order online on Amazon so a stranger could deliver it to our front door, but we never got to talk to them. I find it strange that online shopping is the best way to avoid human interaction. I also find it strange that young adults order food and have it delivered to avoid what? Strangers? We live in strange, thi strange times. And no, it's not a pun on the Netflix TV show, Stranger Things. But let me tell you, here's what God has taught me about loving on strangers. Main idea number one. When people, when I love on people, it should be effortless, right? So verses 9 through 13, love is not something that can be placed as a checkmark. Love is something that is rooted from God. It was not. For God's love, I believe that God, I would not be a, a Christian today. It was only these Christian men who discipled me, taught me the gospel, and reflected Christ's love that it helped shape my viewpoint as a Christian today. God, would, God could have wiped us away and erased us from existence, yet God saw something in us. He sees us as a masterful creation. He calls us his child. For those who are parents... That is one of the most effortless things we do. I've had some conflicts with my, conflicts with my two teenagers lately. And as you, keep, as you can see, I'm, I'm kind of losing some hair from it. Um, <laughs> and let me tell you, raising two teenagers is not always easy, but deep down inside, I still love them. I love them unconditionally. Because Paul talks about, in Romans 12, 9, with sincerity, to love them, to love people. What Paul means is that Christ-like love is authentic. 
It cannot be faked. You cannot fake this love. And people know authentic love by the actions, not just from talk. Paul challenges us to be selfless and to seek opportunities to love others. Romans 12, 13 talks about practicing hospitality. Notice, we went back to practicing hospitality. What does that mean, that word, hospitality? The Greek word for hospitality is phylexenia, which means the love of strangers or to love a stranger. I struggle with strangers. I get nervous or I don't know what to say, but then God empowers me to tell me, John, how are you going to evangelize to the lost? Everyone still deserves a second chance or a chance to hear the gospel and to feel God's love. In Matthew 22, verse 36 to 39, the Pharisees challenged Jesus on this with a question. The test of this question was, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? If you want to follow along, Matthew 22, verse 36 through 39. Jesus replied, in verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's think about that for a minute. To be hospitable is something we are called to do as Christians. This is organic evangelism to people who come across our way. I learned that Building credibility and a relationship to the lost who come our way helps people to see the love of Christ through and through. Hospitality shows up throughout the New Testament scriptures. Let's open the Bible real quick to Hebrews. We're going to jump a little bit around. Hebrews 13.2. I'll repeat it again. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. And I'm going to go ahead and tell the verse. Do not Forget to show hospitality to strangers. Hospitality, the love of strangers. Back to that word again. Love the stranger. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Open your Bible now. We're going to go to 3 John, verse 8. 3 John, verse 8. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality. There's that word again the love of strangers, to love strangers, to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Main idea, number two, I want to share with you. I should not take revenge on those who persecute me. This is probably one of the hardest disciplines. Let me tell you, one of the hardest disciplines of Christianity. I'm a vengeful person, you see. I'm from the restaurant business. I worked 25 years to 30 years in this industry. And I'm very vengeful. I'm very angry. And I look mean, I know. But I'm telling you, I am a huggable teddy bear. But here's the thing. We are, as Christians, to love those who persecute you and not be vengeful. Does someone at your job dislike you for being Christian? Does someone, uh, do you feel betrayed 
Maybe you feel quite uncomfortable at the workplace. And if someone persecutes you or hates you for who you are, what do you do? Like I said, my old, CEO, my old self seeks revenge. But I'll tell you what I do now. I do nothing but pray. I pray for an opportunity to love on them. This is so tough, especially when you're a manager and you're just getting those darts thrown at you and you know it, you hear it, you hear it from other people and they keep throwing it and you're just like, God, let me find a way to love on them because this is so difficult. My old self, like I said, seeks revenge, but instead I loved on him and it worked because once persecuted by some of my employees, became a friendship out of it. When we are persecuted for our beliefs, do you become vengeful or hateful? How do you love someone when these actions are committed against you? Paul looks at love as unconditional and that we are entitled to do nothing. I learned this because, and I learned this way of thinking because we did not deserve to live and have eternal life in the first place. You see, God sacrificed his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins. Revenge is a form of anger. And the root of anger comes from our own insecurity. Paul talks about it in Romans 12, 16. He says, but Lord, how about if I disagree with someone? This does happen from time to time, right? We do disagree from time to time. But we can talk like civilized adults. It's okay to disagree. Sometimes we may not resolve the conflict, all right? And sometimes we can't. Because what, this is what happens when I have a disagreement and I start holding a grudge. I harbor hatred. I harbor hatred in my heart for these disagreements and there's no room for love. Realize that when you have that in your heart, you cannot love. This is what Paul is talking about. We must remember that we are no better than the person next to us. Which is why Paul tells us not to think of ourselves as proud in Romans. But I learned to look at this passage as an opportunity to evangelize to the lost, regardless of status or position. So let me ask you a question. If that Vietnam veteran that I mentioned earlier today came in to this church today, would you welcome him? Would you welcome him with love? Would you rejoice with him? Would you love him? And if he came in abusive, persecuting, angry, can we still love on this person? Remember, none of us lived a perfect life except for Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect person who lived on this earth, both God and man, to live a perfect and humble life on this earth. None of us can measure to that. Open your Bible to John chapter 8, verse 7 through 11. John chapter 8, verses 7 to 11. You see, 
in this passage, the vengeful Pharisees and scribes were trying to get revenge on Jesus. You see, Jesus went to Mount of Olives at the temple courts. And Jesus, um, and where the scribes and the Pharisees tested Jesus by judging a woman who committed adultery. The scribes brought this lady to see how much the most, uh, uh, of the Mosaic law Jesus understands. The scribes and the Pharisees think this woman deserves death for adultery. Yet, Jesus convinced everyone when he says this in verse 7. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing here or there. Jesus straightened up and asked, asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Let's think about that. Because let me tell you what I learned from that. I learned that Jesus does not only ask to seek or not to seek revenge, okay? But because it cancels his second command of loving others. Let me repeat that again. I learned that Jesus does not ask us to seek revenge because he cancels his second command of loving others. Main idea number three that I want to share with you. This is my final idea, uh, main idea. I need to love others like Jesus did for me. Paul talks about loving strangers because this is what Jesus would do. For example, he asked the apostles to follow him wherever Jesus went. The apostles were amazed because from their point of view, they saw Jesus as a stranger and they knew nothing about him. They were, they were amazed how well Jesus treated them. And they were amazed that they met King Jesus when they found out. Because Jesus loved and discipled these apostles, showing the example of love and hospitality, all right, despite knowing that one of them would betray them. Open your books so we could see this live in action. Matthew, chapter 26, verse 20 through 24. I'm using the New International um, NIV version, just in case you didn't know that already. So when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, and one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. You see, we know that Judas was the betrayer. But yet Jesus, Jesus loved on Judas, knowing he would betray him. Just like Paul says in Romans 12, 19, 
He says, do not take revenge. The Last Supper is a great example of Jesus not taking revenge despite being betrayed by Judas. Jesus practiced hospitality regardless of the circumstances coming his way. The apostles post Jesus' death and resurrection practiced hospitality to their disciples and anyone who came their way and, and who wanted to know Jesus as Lord over their lives. Paul mentions these things because Jesus' example of hospitality, the love of strangers and love, it's his example. It's what he would do. Jesus knew the judgment that was to come to Judas, yet still gave Judas this love and hospitality. In conclusion, I learned from Paul's letters in Romans to love others and to give hospitality to anyone who comes my way. This is not an easy feat. Yet God challenges us to do this. This is one of the most convicting things for me because I, for one, do not know my neighbors very well, as I told you. And I'm the most vengeful person in the restaurant business. Extremely vengeful. And I don't want to, I would steal, I would fight. Real fist fights. And I would do whatever it takes to get my way until I met Jesus Christ. You see, once Jesus was Lord over my life, I learned to love. I learned to give hospitality, and I learned to love on strangers and love on fellow believers. I learned to heal and be set free from my past. I learned to seek ways to evangelize to others. I felt the call from being a chef and instead to help families who are facing crisis through the Safe Families Alliance. Let me ask you a question. Would you join me in giving hospitality to these strangers, such as these families who are facing crisis? Maybe we can help them together and help these vulnerable children by hosting them for a short amount of time. Just think about that for just a minute. But let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you that this alliance, Save Families for Children, has existed now for 20 years and that today we actually get to celebrate, celebrate this alliance. Lord, thank you for the hearts that heard this message today. God, it's not from my, my doing. It's yours, Lord. God, thank you for Exponential Church because they're so hospitable. I got to say hi to a bunch of people today, and they responded in a loving manner. God, thank you for the love of everyone here and the welcoming and the friendships that have been developed as a community. I pray for this church to continue reaching the lost, loving, and giving the opportunities to love on them, give them gifts, practicing hospitality, and learning, and continuing to grow in your word today, Lord. We pray this because we are called to love, just like Romans says in Paul's letter. So, Lord, be with us. We love you, Lord, and we praise you.
And God, as we continue to live out our day, let us practice this application of being able to love on the lost. We love you in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.